This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness, and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, and welcome to 2020. The new school year is about to begin, and I know that means that many of you are in the midst of in-service, professional development, student-free days, and setting up your classrooms. I know that it's a whirlwind. In this bonus episode of the podcast, Between Seasons, I'm sharing with you the audio from a Facebook Live video I did last week, so uh, on the 20th of January. And if you're not following me on social media and you're not subscribed to my Self-Care for Teachers newsletter, The Advocate, then you might have missed the free workshop video series that I did on Facebook last week. So I'm sharing the audio from the first of those workshops here now on the podcast because I think it's crucial information for all teachers to have in their heads and in their hearts as the school year begins. Of course, because it was on Facebook, it's not the um, usual top-notch audio quality, but I think you'll find it absolutely listenable. If you're listening to this episode in January 2020, the videos will still be available to watch as replays on my Facebook page. So this is only the first of five uh, workshops that I did. So go and check them out. However, they are going to expire from the 1st of February. So I encourage you to listen to them now while they're up. And then you can comment and share and tag your teaching buddies on Facebook as well. I'll make sure I put a link to the description of this podcast so you can click through and watch them. After that, they will eventually end up in the freebies library, although probably not until the end of February or early March, because I'm undertaking some major updates to the website and the freebies library and stuff soon. So there will be a delay in when they end up on the freebies library. But the other thing I wanted to let you know about as school goes back this week is the Resilient Teacher Coaching Program, which starts on the 1st of February. So if this episode really resonates with you and if the other information in the workshops on Facebook really resonates with you, then I highly encourage you to join me and a group of like-minded teachers to support you in breaking the habits that deplete you as a teacher and in building habits to be the resilient teacher I know you want to be this year. So you can find out more about that at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash resilient teacher. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that at the end. But for now, please enjoy this replay of the workshop from last week, all about rethinking teacher well-being and resilience in 2020. Hi, and welcome to this free workshop series on teacher well-being and resilience for 2020. I'm Ellen Ronalds Keane, a high school teacher turned wellbeing coach, the founder of Self Care for Teachers, and the host of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. And I will be your guide for this five day series. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for joining me for this uh, workshop series that is going to be sharing some information that you need to build your resilience and wellbeing as a teacher in 2020. And so, I'm really glad you're here. I'm going to give you a little bit of an outline over what we're going to be talking about for the week, and then we'll dive into today's lesson. So today we're talking about rethinking teacher resilience and well-being in 2020, and um, I'm really excited about this because I obviously have been talking about uh, well-being for a few years now, but I think that we need to shift the conversation. We need to rethink it. So we're going to dive into that in a minute today. Tomorrow's lesson, lesson two, is about the depleted teacher. And you might recognize yourself even in that phrase. But my sort of alternate title for that lesson is why soldiering on is slowly killing us. And um, I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you because I think unless we actually look that straight in the eye, address what's going on there, then nothing's going to change. Day three, so Wednesday afternoon, Um, We're talking about the five elements of the resilient teacher. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit today about the resilient, uh, the the new approach to resilience that I think we need, and this is going to unpack that even more. Um, 
Lesson four, which is going to be Thursday evening, uh, is about engineering your 2020. That's for you as a person first and a teacher second. So yes, you're a teacher. Yes, we need to engineer your professional life, but we also need to look at your personal life, your personal health and well-being, because that has to come first. You're a person first and a teacher second. So we're going to get into how we can, how we can do that on Thursday. And then Friday, that lesson five is about individual and collective resilience and how um, there is power for us in community. There is such power for us as teachers to be um, doing this together, to be looking at this together, to be starting a movement that actually shifts the culture in our schools and shifts the conversation and shifts not only your experience, but also all the colleagues around you so that everyone, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, right? So we're going to dive into that on Friday. Um, now, a couple more things. So th this is going to be going live um, 5 p.m. Queensland time, 6 p.m. You know, daylight savings time um, every day this week, Monday to Friday. So we've got five lessons in a row. Um, I know you may not be able to make all of them because here in Queensland and several states around um, Australia, school goes back this week. You know, you're going back to school. Anyway, kids come back next week, but you're going back this week. People start on different days of the week. So I know that it's a busy week. That's why this is uh, freely available on Facebook. You will be able to catch the replay, right? So if you can't tune in at five o'clock every day, you'll be able to catch the replay after the fact. The videos are going to stay on my Facebook page for a couple of weeks and then they're going to uh, migrate over to the freebies library. Um, so there is also going to be bonus material in the freebies library. So this stuff is going to be, this, these videos are going to be absolutely free for you on Facebook for the next couple of weeks. And um, you don't have to sign up. You don't have to do anything to participate in this. So I really want this to reach as many people as possible. So please share it freely. Share it with your teacher colleagues. Um, tag people in the comments who you think uh, you need to, who you think need to hear this stuff. Um, and you can also ask any questions you want in the comments. So although this one is pre-recorded, I'm going to be answering all the um, questions in comments and also coming back, hopefully being able to answer questions, you know, the next day and that sort of thing. So um, the freebies library is also going to have some bonus material. So the self-care for teachers freebies library um, already has lots of uh, awesome resources in it. So uh, if you haven't already signed up for that, I highly recommend it just because there's already some great resources in there. So it's from replays of um, several webinars that I did last year on um, well-being rituals and healthy habits and all sorts of things. And there's some um, free, you know, planners and that sort of stuff in there, self-care planning pages and um, a free meditation track and that sort of thing. Um, but I'm also going to be putting the workbook, that the companion workbook for this uh, workshop series in the wellbeing, uh, in the freebies library. And there'll be some um, checklists and suggested podcasts that will kind of go away, go along with each day of this uh, workshop series as well. So highly recommend you go and sign up for the freebies library. There'll be a link in the description of this video um, for the workshop, uh, for the workbook that goes along with the workshop. And it includes some action steps and uh, a list of the, the journal or discussion prompts for each day as well. So with that out of the way, um, the last thing I do want to mention is that later in the week, I am going to be sharing some information with you about my new coaching program, The Resilient Teacher. It's a group coaching program, um, and I will invite you to join that if it sounds like it's the right fit for you. It's not for everybody. So um, regardless of whether The Resilient uh, Teacher program is right for you, I wanted to share this information with all of you because I truly believe that it is crucial uh, for you to understand some of this stuff heading into the 2020 school year and for all of us as teachers collectively to be on the same page about this. So uh, without further ado, let's get into today's topic, which is about rethinking well-being and resilience for teachers in 2020. So where are we at right now? I think we all know we have um, fewer and fewer people choosing to become teachers these days. It's been in the news for the last few years that you know, university uh, applicants to become pre-service teachers is declining. We also have an ageing workforce of veteran teachers who are nearing retirement. And uh, we have, there's varying stats around it, but we know anecdotally as well as from the, the research that early and mid-career teachers are not, uh, not necessarily staying forever. You know, like the old model of doing your teacher college um, in your 
late teens, early 20s, and then being a teacher for the next 45 years. That's not really the situation we find ourselves in today. So what that means is that we actually have a teacher shortage. It's happening now. The beginnings of it is happening now, but I think it's going to get worse and worse over the next couple of years. Um, I went to uh, the education summit at the University of Southern Queensland in November last year, and they were talking very much about the fact that this has been an issue in rural, regional and remote uh, places in Australia. There's always been a bit of a struggle to attract and retain teachers in those locations. But now we're seeing it in metro areas that, that traditionally was never a problem to staff. So we need to be talking about this teacher shortage that's coming. And we also, for those of us who, who uh, stay in the profession, then we actually need to be talking about what it will look like to, st to, to continue to be a teacher if that doesn't change. Because you know, it doesn't take very much thinking to realise that if we have fewer and fewer teachers available, then class sizes are going to get bigger. The um, demands on the teachers that stay in the system, the workload, all of that is going to increase. And I don't know about you, that maths doesn't add up to me because every single teacher I speak to is already at capacity. So we need to be thinking very seriously about this. We need to be talking about it as a profession and we need to make sure that we're not, um, I mean, it's already here, the stat from that summit that I went to last year, they said that um, Queensland is facing 500 to 800 teacher shortage this year. And that's just this year. There's still veteran teachers in the system, you know, so we still, that, that's likely to get worse over the next five to 10 years as that sort of older generation of teachers reaches retirement age. So this is real, right? We also know that teacher wellbeing is an issue. We know because uh, we feel it, we talk about it because the, uh, the conversation in the media is slowly starting to, to reference it. We know that the um, principal health and well-being is also a huge problem. Principal health and well-being survey tells us that. There was some research that came out of Bond Uni last year talking about um, how or, or, or stating the fact that teachers are actually um, more likely than other professions to suffer from depression and anxiety and even alcohol abuse. And uh, there's research from the UK that backs that up as well. Uh, and also I did a survey of my own audience um, a couple of years ago now in the middle of 2018. And that also, it, it, you know, all the data is saying similarly, we have an issue with teacher health and wellbeing and resilience. Um, we also know that the workload is unreasonable. Like this is just, it's more than a 40 hour a week job at any time of year and at many times of year it's more than a 50 hour a week job and that's actually unreasonable that's just unacceptable it's more than is the um recommended you know working hours and it's also a lot of it is invisible it it's very much that the uh public perception of what teachers do is in the classroom but you and I know that most of the work is actually out of the classroom after hours or before hours, probably by yourself on a computer, doing paperwork, doing the, the data stuff, the accountability stuff that we have to do now because it's just, it's just part of the system, right? At the same time, job security is, you know, more and more difficult. Um, the old idea of a teaching being a secure uh, government job permanent job for, for your life is, is less and less realistic, that there's more and more temporary contracts. I know my, I myself was on temporary contracts for the first three years of my career, and that's really stressful. It really places, um, there's just insecurity around that, but it also places a, an extreme amount of pressure each each year or each term, however long your contract is, because it means that you feel you have to prove yourself over and over and over again. You can't just do your job, you have to also be uh, making sure that you're getting rehired next term. And it also means that those 12-week holidays a year that everyone talks about actually become 12 weeks unemployment a year. And that's problematic for all these other reasons, right? Um, and we know that, of course, student behaviour and parent behaviour is um, increasingly challenging. Uh, and the other thing that I'm hearing more and more, and it's, it's probably not a a conversation for today, but it is something that we need to discuss, is the bullying that seems to be, whether it's increasing or whether it's being increasingly reported, bullying that seems to be happening actually within schools, between colleagues. Um, and that's that's really problematic because that means, I think all of us know, yes, there's going to be students in our classrooms who have very challenging behaviour and we have tools and, and 
and hopefully support to deal with that. And even if we don't, we understand that perhaps there are some needs going on for that child. We're kind of trained to deal with some of that. It's, it's very challenging, but we understand it, we accept it. The parent behavior is a, is a different thing. It's not okay, but again, there are systems and processes set up to deal with it. But when you don't feel safe in your own work, workplace because of the people who are in your staff room or the people who are leading your school, that's a whole other issue entirely. And that's very, very, very damaging. And, I, and I've worked with a number of teachers in the last year or so that are experiencing that. And it's something that I'm seeing crop up more and more online in forums and things. So that's probably a conversation for another day, but it definitely is impacting teacher well-being and resilience across the board. So the other thing that's happening right now in Australia and that is impacting us going back to school this year is um, the bushfire crisis, right? We have just been through, and it's still ongoing, this unprecedented uh, bushfire crisis in many, many parts of Australia. And that means that going back to school this year, we're going to be not only uh, dealing with our own fears and anxieties around that, um, and, and perhaps trauma if you lived through it, but also the students in your classrooms are going to be, um, that's going to be playing out for them as well in their lives. And your role now is even more important to be holding that space for those kids, not only delivering academically for them, but that social emotional support as well. So all this adds up to me to mean that the remit for education in Australia has never ever been more important. The role of the teacher has never been more important to our functioning society. And we know there's all sorts of stuff going on with polarization in society and the media and the outrage and um, you know the echo chambers of social media and all this other stuff that's actually, it's a really interesting time in history. And, and um, actually I heard somebody say the other day that it's the most important time in history, in this in human history, in the sense that we have so much power and, and there's so many things that we could do, but also it's a very important, it's a, it's a turning point, right? So the need for teachers has never been more and never been greater, but also the need for healthy, resilient, empowered teachers has never been greater. And that means that there's power for you in accepting that you are a person first and a teacher second and when you look after the person, the teacher is really going to be able to thrive. So now is the time to sit up and pay attention. I don't want to be doom and gloom about all of that, but, but I think we need to face the fact that this is the new normal. This is the new normal that we are operating within. I, I think, and, and let me know if you agree, I think that many of us have been waiting for things to go back to the way they were. You know, we've been waiting for things to go back to how they used to be, the time before NAPLAN, the time before um, the increasing politicisation of education being funding, being a political football and all of that, you know, waiting for funding models to improve, waiting for there to be more equality in terms of the um, resources available to meet the greater needs of disadvantage in some areas of our schools than in others or in some areas of the country, some schools uh, than others. Waiting for workload to decrease, waiting for us to go back to the time before all this ICT and all this expectation about data and um, producing, you know, individualized learning plans and all of these things. Waiting for that to waiting for that to decrease, waiting for somebody else to solve that, waiting for, um, you know, a difficult colleague or a manager to transfer to a different school so that then we'd be okay. We're, I think that we have been waiting for all of these pressures. To get better we've been biding our time treading water you know waiting for that very abusive parent to give up and go to a different school where they feel like they'll be better served or waiting for that student in our class who's uh, very very challenging behavior waiting for them to be diagnosed so that then there'll be some extra resources i think we have been waiting and the time is now to stop waiting the time is now to be proactive because this is the new normal this is the new normal. We're not going to go back to the way it was. So we need to accept that. And it's hard and it's painful and it's it's uncomfortable to look at. But the power is in facing it head on, right? The power is in being honest about the reality within which we are operating. And then 
Once we've acknowledged it and accepted it, then we can actually respond. Then we can come up with a plan that helps us respond, hopefully, uh, proactively. Um, so no more waiting for anyone else to fix this. We are the ones we have been waiting for. It's not going to change the wider sort of societal implications of, of, of how schools are existing now within society. That's not going to change anytime soon. Um, but also, these are all wicked problems. That means they're not easily fixed. They are difficult. They are complex. They are um, not not uh, not able to just, oh, if we just solve that one thing, then the whole thing would be fixed, right? It doesn't work like that. There's many, 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 many variables. So I actually want to um, draw you a picture. But before I get to this picture, I just want to say, just because this is incredibly difficult and incredibly complex, it doesn't mean we give up trying, right? By looking at it and facing it and, and accepting the reality of it, it allows us to actually respond better. We don't throw up our hands in defeat and say it's all too hard um, because where would that leave us, right? That's, I don't think that that's a, an empowered choice. I also don't think that that's, the, that's not the kind of teacher that you are, certainly not the kind of teacher that you want to be, and it's not the kind of teacher Australia needs. So, and, and, and I'll, just before I go on, I do want to also say, however, if you are in a personal crisis right now and you need to leave the classroom, that's okay, right? I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. If you personally need to make a change for you, that's okay. You do not have to stay in a situation or a school or a job or a profession that is really not for you or that you really... Um, can't manage right now with whatever else is going on in your life, whatever extra health challenges, or even if you just feel that you need to go and, and regroup somewhere else and then perhaps come back. That's fine. I'm not talking about that. But what I am talking about is for those of us who feel like we're doing almost okay, we're struggling a bit, but we're keeping our heads above water and we want to stay, then now is not the time to look at all these challenges and think it's, it's no good. I think... Part of that waiting that we've been doing has been waiting for someone else to come and rescue us, right? Solve this problem, waiting for the government to change things. But that that's not a solution. Waiting is not a solution. Inaction in and of itself is an action. So we need to take more proactive actions. So what does that mean? We don't throw up our hands in defeat. We don't say it's all too hard because we actually can make a difference here. We can't solve it all. It's a wicked problem. I'm going to get to the picture in a minute. No, I said I was going to draw your picture. We can't solve it all in one go, but we can make a very real difference. You do actually have real power. You have total power in your own life, but you also have um, huge influence in your school, you individually. You have obviously control and influence in your classroom. You can't control the education system at large. You can't control whatever you know, whether it's a department or diocese that you work for, you can't control the um, expectations that they have set and, the, you know, the mandatory things that they have set. But there's a lot that you do have at least autonomy over. Perhaps it doesn't mean you don't have to do it, but it does mean you might have some flexibility around how. Of course, you can't control the principal or your colleagues in your staff room, um, but you can control how you respond to them. You can control how you show up. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It is possible though, um, and you can influence and lead the students in your classroom and the people around you, right? So, and if we all do that, then the system will change. If we all do that, then the ripple effect will be amazing. Again, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I know how very, very difficult it is, but I think that together we can make a difference. So I want to draw you a little picture. We're talking about rethinking teacher well-being and resilience and I want to draw you a picture just so that you I think get a bit of a bit better of an idea of when I talk about this being a wicked problem this this concept of teacher well-being resilience it's it's slippery it's hard to grasp yes there's some definitions out there but I think the solutions are very complicated it's a wicked problem right so if we put teacher well-being in the center of this image right I think there's four main influences so number one there's students and their parents the way they show up in your life does impact you 
The kids in your classroom impact you and their parents impact you and you impact them in return. So student behavior, anything to do with, um, you know, extra learning needs, all the extra differentiation, all of that stuff impacts. And also what's going on for them in their lives impacts too. I, so many teachers tell me that they come home from school worrying and, and, and not able to switch off from the, the really tragic stories of some of the students in their classrooms, the, the really difficult situations and, and home lives that they're in. So student well-being and parent well-being impacts that too. And I 100% believe that these parents who are showing up and being bullying as a teacher and sometimes downright abusive, they're not well themselves. Like life is not going great for someone who responds that way. They are responding from a state of extreme stress. So doesn't excuse it. It never excuses abuse. However, I think we need to acknowledge that there's there's this huge increasing, you know, chart going off there with all the other things that are impacting the students and the parents um, and that then come back and impact you. Then, of course, we have the system, the education system, the policies of various governments, the um expectations the the just the way things are like the business as usual of, of what this behemoth of an education system has become um the all the stuff around respect for teachers in society some of that kind of links together um so you can see already these are two uh separate but very much related issues to teacher well-being and resilience and this is why i say it's a wicked problem because each of these, you know, pods goes off and has all its own branches as well because we know that education is um, political. It is. It's not party political, but it is political purely because of the fact that the government uh, at various levels, state and um, territory, as well as federal, there's various funding arrangements. It's not equal across the board. You know, there's all these things that impact, um, some more than other in different places. Then we have the kind of the school level, which which is your workplace stuff, your workplace well-being. Um, and of course, the, you know, this links to each other because the, the students and parents are part of the school community, but this also includes your colleagues. This includes whatever workplace well-being programs your school might be doing. It includes school policies. You know, maybe your school has a homework policy that is impacting on your workload, whereas the person at the school down the road, their homework policy is different and it doesn't impact their workload that way. So... Um, there's loads that goes on there. Culture is a huge one. The culture of your school, the culture of your staff room, because then depending on the size of your school, even within schools, you can have, you know, five different staff rooms with 20, 20 different, um, you know, teachers in each staff room. And then you end up with little cultures within cultures. So again, this is a, a increasing, I'm not going to draw the whole thing, but there's more and more little bubbles that come off this uh, school bubble in the in the diagram right and then we have the teacher and I'm going to write a really important word underneath that which is person because you're a person first and a teacher second you really are and if you don't acknowledge that then it's your well-being is going to be harder to shift because if your whole identity is taken up with you as a teacher then you're not going to be able to make some of the changes personally that are really, really going to make a difference. So within, obviously, this teacher person area, that links very much to the school, obviously, hugely. It also links over here to the students and parents because, like I said, the kids in your classroom impact you. And it also links to the systemic stuff um, because we all have had that experience where we've, we've told somebody in the street or at a barbecue or somewhere that we're a teacher and then they launch into a rant about all the things that they think teachers are doing wrong or all the ways that the education system is failing students and therefore the blame is on you right because you work for the education system you're the one on the front line with the kids so it's all your fault that society is going to hell in a handbasket right so and or you're a bludger and you only work six hours a day and you have 12 weeks holiday a year and it's such an easy job which is obviously why everybody wants to be a teacher so this teacher person, person first, teacher second area is what we're talking about in this 
series. So school wellbeing stuff, really, really, really important. You also don't have as much direct control over that. Hopefully your school has a school wellbeing or an organizational wellbeing policy. I hope that there's PD happening for you. I hope that your school is getting wellbeing consultants in to work with you and the staff. But I know that that's not widespread. And I know that in a lot of places it's actually inflammatory because what's actually happening is it's more of a box ticking exercise where there's some great PD that happens once in the year and then everything goes back to normal and nothing really changes. So I'm aware that that may be what's going on. Um, and then within this person first teacher second area, that's where we can really focus. That's where we're focusing this week um, because, and this includes so much, right? And we're going to unpack this more and more in the coming days, especially when we talk about the depleted teacher and the resilient teacher. This is what we're talking about, right? Um, so we are going to come back to this, but all of this works together and you can see and each of these bubbles has 400 bubbles coming off it with other things that are impacting them and so you can see how this is a wicked problem and what got us here won't get us to where we want to go there's the, and each of these problems has their own um I, I suppose each of these sections have their own problems that are needing some individual attention. So for example, the fact that we have students with high needs in our classrooms that don't have enough support because we don't have fair funding models in Australia in all, all school systems, then that's a separate thing, right? But it impacts teacher wellbeing. So this is how it's so many variables. And I, I think we've been waiting for all the other things to change. And or I think we've been being a bit too simplistic and thinking if if we could just solve this one thing, if NAPLAN would just go away, if the um, Gonski stuff was fully funded and the, the kids with high needs and special needs in my classroom had proper support, then my life would be easy. Or if my school had a, had a decent wellbeing uh, policy for staff, then everything would be fine. I think we've been looking at stuff in isolation and being a little bit simplistic about it. So we need to... We need to rethink that because this is, when we look at this whole picture, it's really big, it's really complex and there's a lot of variables and also a lot of those things we can't control or we can't do anything about directly. So we need to focus back on what we can control and what we can uh, either directly change or influence. And that's you. That's you as a person. You are the only one that has any control Sorry, you are the one that you have the most control over <laughs> and the only person's behavior that you can control is yours, but you can influence and you can, you can actually influence a lot within your school. So over the last few years, I have been talking about the concept of well-being um, and self-care and I talk about, you know, self-care is not skincare, right? It's not getting a facial uh, it's much deeper and much more wide-reaching than that. And it falls under the person first, teacher second category because it's about you. It's not about the school. It's not about the expectations. It's just about you, your body, your mind, your soul, and what you need. And when I first started talking about teacher well-being, you know, five years ago in 2015, it was not very mainstream. It's become more and more mainstream, which is awesome. And there are now, like I said, programs in schools and stuff but I still think that the word well-being is a little bit problematic for a couple of reasons and we need to this is one of the things we need to rethink what does well-being mean to us right so it's one it's just it's like the ideal world it's a little bit of perfection that sometimes we feel we can never attain because we can never be we can never have a hundred percent well-being because there's always going to be something impacting us we're always going to be tired at the end of term that's normal if it's normal fatigue that we can recover from. Um, well-being has also become a bit of a buzzword, which then means that it becomes, like I said, it can be a box, box ticking activity in your schools. Um, but it's also, because it's become a buzzword, it then just, it becomes a little bit old hat, right? 
Wellbeing also in some cases has been reduced only to mental wellbeing, only to positive psychology. And now I love positive psychology and it's fantastic, but it's not the silver bullet and it's not the be all and end all when it comes to the wellbeing of a whole person because we are not walking heads, right? We are whole bodies and we need to look at that. If we don't, then we're missing a huge part of the equation. So I'm not going to stop talking about wellbeing because it's still really, really important. Um, it's the name of my podcast, right? Teacher Wellbeing is the name of my podcast. I'm still going to impro- uh, promote and encourage the concept of, of teacher wellbeing. But at the same time as this issue of teacher wellbeing has become more mainstream, we've also seen more data coming out about the true state of the physical and mental health of teachers and um, school leaders. We know the workload is insane. All those things that I mentioned before, all of this, right? This whole picture. So we are heading towards a crisis, I think, like I said about the, the teacher shortage. But I think we're also already in the midst of, if you haven't already felt the the grip of teacher, if not burnout, some serious teacher fatigue, cynicism about the system, frustrations, just exhaustion, then I'd be very, very surprised if you're not already feeling that. Um, and of course... That's just us in the teaching profession, right? It doesn't mention all the other stuff, the difficult stuff going on in the world that, of course, also impacts us and impacts our schools and impacts our classrooms. So teacher wellbeing is incredibly complex and, of course, you need it. Um, but I think what we actually need now and what we need to talk about is resilience. And I actually don't just mean the definition of a resilience that you might be thinking about, which is that kind of emotional ability to bounce back, to recover back from difficulties. That's one definition of resilience, and it's very important. Of course, we want to be able to bounce back. Of course, we want to be able to emotionally recover from difficult things. Um, And, and, you know, post-traumatic growth is a real thing. Post-traumatic stress, we know about. PTSD is a common sort of um, commonly understood, but post-traumatic growth is possible as well, right? So, and that's much less understood. Um, So we want that ability to bounce back and and to to thrive after challenges or trauma. But there are actually other definitions of resilience. And this is what I really want to shift the conversation to, right? That definition of resilience as bouncing back is important, but it, again, I think only treats us as the head up. It's not looking at us as a whole, whole physiological person, a whole, whole mind, body and soul. So, um, one of the things that one of the um, things that we need resilience for, I suppose, is to to adapt to this constantly changing world. And it is constantly changing, and there are more and more challenges, you know, frequent challenges and sometimes crises. Now, in the world of engineering um, and infrastructure, they actually use the word resilience differently. They don't mean the ability to bounce back, and they're talking about infrastructure they're not talking about you know emotional stuff so it's a little bit more concrete literally um but they actually when they talk about resilience in in that sector they're actually talking about the ability to absorb and avoid damage which without suffering complete failure so in for example a a natural disaster the ability of the telephone network to to stay to be resilient means that it stays um, functioning. It doesn't go down. Now, it might go down for a little while, but it doesn't stay down for weeks and weeks. Or, you know, the the, um, the infrastructure that underpins the fact that water comes out of our taps. That, to be able to continue functioning, even in a very, very challenging situation. So um, it's that concept of resilience in engineering is actually about design as much as it is about then the maintenance of buildings and infrastructure and stuff and communities so design and maintenance not just after the fact like we've been talking about resilience as this idea of bouncing back after the fact after something has happened but actually they talk about it as beginning middle and you know before during and after and that's what we need to think about so um if you look up wikipedia resilience you'll be able to find the kind of engineering and and design um, definition of resilience. And it says the ability to respond, absorb and adapt to, as well as recover in a disruptive event, 
a resilient system or structure or community is expected to be able to resist uh, an extreme event with minimal damages and minimal functional disruption during the event. And then after the event, it should be able to rapidly recover its functionality similar to or better than pre-event levels. So basically it means you design knowing that hard stuff's gonna happen. We're not building bridges expecting it's never gonna flood. And then when there is a flood, of course, perhaps the, the bridge is impacted, but maybe not. Maybe we've built it now so that it's you know high enough that hopefully we'll still be able to cross that river even when there's a, a minor flood at least. But then after the fact, there might be some more maintenance to do, but then that, that bridge stays up, right? It stays up and it keeps functioning and it might even be better than before because we're gonna then reinvest and, and keep maintaining and, and improving it. If that doesn't sound like the approach that teachers need in their health and wellbeing and resilience, I don't know what does, right? So a resilient teacher has the ability to respond to and absorb and adapt to as well as recover from difficult events. And with few disruptions to their effectiveness during the event. Few disruptions to your effectiveness during the event. So it's not just about bouncing back afterwards. It's actually about staying online during the event, staying functional as best as you can. The fact is, if we want that kind of resilience, we have to go back to before and in the planning stages and the design phase to actually make sure that we're planning for when difficult events happen. Because I think, a lot, like I said, I think a lot of us have been waiting, waiting for somebody else to change the system or for that student in our class or that parent or that colleague to go somewhere else waiting. But actually we need to accept that this is the new normal and now plan for these difficult events. Design our lives and our, and our work and our approach for knowing this is gonna be difficult in certain cases. Not all the time, but there's gonna be these challenges and in some cases, crises. So if we want that kind of resilience, then we have to do something very, very different to what we've currently been doing. I know that right now teachers spend a lot of their time ignoring their own needs and taking care of everybody else, neglecting your basic you know, bodily functioning, completely, completely depleted. So then when the difficult event happens, you don't have as many resources to respond and you're even more depleted at the end. And it takes so much longer to, to bounce back, but not even bounce back just to get up again, right? So, and then, and then after, the difficult event has happened instead of replenishing the physical mental and emotional and spiritual resources i know that teachers have a tendency to just power right on through rarely pausing for maintenance until the cracks have begun to appear and sometimes not even then i know this right you tell me i observe it i've experienced it myself and the teachers that i work with tell me that this is what's going on Usually after the fact, usually when they're way down the line and they look back and they say, that was the moment and I made a series of choices to continue to ignore my own needs. And they were reasonable needs. They were not needy. They were not, you know, um, being excessively overbearingly demanding. They were just reasonable human basic needs. So this has to stop because if we were bridges or buildings, we would fall down. And actually, I would argue that we are starting to. We are starting to. There are more and more people choosing not to be teachers. And there are more and more pe people who are already teachers choosing not to stay. And sometimes they're not choosing it. Sometimes health forces them out. That That is not like burnout. Sometimes it's not the fact that you don't want to be a teacher anymore. You physically cannot. Your body actually just stops and says no. And there's you know, stories of from my teacher wellbeing podcast of that. I'm thinking particularly of Maria, who literally nearly died, ended up in hospital because she just worked herself nearly to death. So um, we don't want you to get to that point. We want you to notice the cracks appearing and then do maintenance, right? Design for the difficult situation. Notice the cracks when they appear in your bridge and then do the maintenance so that when the flood comes, you don't completely fall apart. So, um... I, wanted, I said I was going to share some action steps for you. We're going to dive more and more into that concept of 
like I said, that depleted teacher, that's tomorrow. We're going to talk about why that soldiering on approach is slowly killing us. But I want to share some action steps with you today and the, and the, the journal or discussion prompts. So action step number one is to sign up for the freebies library because there is a workbook and all the other action steps will be in that workbook. Um, and the discussion prompts or the journal prompts will be there as well as some suggested podcast episodes that you might enjoy listening to that kind of relate to this stuff. Um, Plus, there's lots of other good stuff in the freebies library as well. So that's action step number one. And action step number two is to discuss this stuff with your colleagues or journal about it using the prompts below or that I'm about to tell you or that are in the um, in the workbook. So but talk about this stuff. Let's not continue this idea of waiting for somebody else to deal with it and or pretending that it's going to go back to how it was. Let's face the new normal head on, right? Let's let's be a community about it. Let's support each other. And then let's be realistic as well. Let's look at the reality of what's happening and then we'll be able to respond. So action step number one is sign up for the freebies library. Action step number two is talk about this stuff with your colleagues. Don't let this just be something like another PD that you did at the start of the year that you've forgotten about by mid-February, right? Let, let's continue this conversation. So the, the journal or discussion prompts for today are, what does well-being mean to you personally and professionally? Because there, there are many definitions and your school's approach to well-being maybe is not the one that actually makes the difference for you. But what does well-being mean for you personally and what does it mean for you professionally what does it look like sound like feel like second prompt what does resilience look like uh, and, and mean to you personally and professionally so i've shared an alternative uh definition of resilience today and it's the one that i am taking forward when i'm talking about teacher resilience is this idea of um designing for the difficult event maintaining you know throughout everything before the difficult event and during the difficult event and then responding and, and picking up the pieces and bouncing back. So it's it's that before, during and after the, the crisis or the disruption. Um, that's my definition, right? And, and it's come from engineering talking about bridges and buildings, but actually I'm applying it to physical well-being, emotional well-being, all of it. So what does your definition of resilience look like, sound like, feel like? And personally and professionally, because they might be slightly different. So engage with that. Sit with that. Think about it. And then the last question I have for you is, what role do you see teachers playing in the future of our society and in the, in the changes that are playing out in Australia in this new decade, in this new reality of unprecedented natural disasters and, and extreme polarisation within our, you know, media and and politicians and all of that sort of thing what role do you see teachers playing in that and what role would you like to see teachers playing in that so those are your prompts um like i said we are living in a very very interesting time in history and i believe teachers are more important than ever and therefore the power for you is being a person first and a teacher second and and that's really coming to the forefront so now is the time right now is the time to look after you So I hope you enjoyed that workshop one, all about rethinking teacher well-being and resilience in 2020. Like I said, go and watch the other four workshops before they expire on the 1st of February. Or if you're listening to this at a later date, sign up to the freebies library, selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash library, and you can find them all in there. So now that you know why we need to rethink our approach to teacher well-being and resilience this year, where does that leave you? For 2020? Well, I think you have a choice to make. Are you going to be a depleted teacher in 2020 or are you going to be a resilient teacher? Who do you need to be this year? What behaviours and attitudes do you need to demonstrate in order to be that person, that teacher, this year? And how are you going to ensure that this year is going to be different from last year? Well, let me tell you about the Resilient Teacher Coaching Program because I think it might be the thing that you need to help make this year different from last year. So it's a six-month group coaching series that consists of six monthly masterclasses on resilience and well-being concepts, 
12 group coaching calls, um, which is fortnightly across the six months. You'll also get access to the community chat forum for ongoing support. And it's not a Facebook group because um, we don't need to be on social media any more than we need to. So there will be a separate uh, community chat forum going on. You will also get a copy of the 2020 Self-Care Planner and Healthy Habits Tracker, um, the digital copy of that, which is available now for everyone in my Teachers Pay Teacher store, but uh, participants in the Resilient Teacher Group coaching program will get a copy as well. Um, and there'll be other workbooks and resources for each of the masterclasses that we do as well. Plus, not only will you get access to me and my coaching, you will also get access to my husband, Stuart, who is a clinical exercise physiologist because we're actually delivering some of these masterclasses together and he's going to be sharing his expertise um, in the ways that you can really help support your physiological well-being, which is just the underpinning of so much of our well-being this year. Um, and he obviously is married to a teacher. He's the son of a teacher, so he totally gets it. He's... Um, very understanding that teaching is not six hours a day and 12 weeks holiday a year. He knows that it's busy. And where this program really shines um, is that it's not about me dictating or prescribing solutions for you. That's not the point. Um, it's actually about supporting you to engineer your own Resilient 2020 based on everything that is um, in those workshops that are over on Facebook, but also offering accountability and encouragement along the way and building that community of like-minded proactive and supportive colleagues as well because this is a group program and you know there is power in that collective approach that collective approach to resilience and well-being so you might decide to go it alone that's fine take all the information that you've got from the workshops that I did last week from the podcast from all the many great um, pieces of information online I really urge you to think long and hard about what support systems and accountability structures you have in place in your life this year because if you haven't got those, then information alone isn't enough and we all know how busy and stressful life gets throughout the term and how often our good intentions and healthy habits fall by the wayside because school takes over. It's hard. I get it. I've been there. But the alternative is hard too, right? Burning out is hard. Being a depleted teacher is not easy. So, isn't it worth doing the work, doing the proactive hard thing and investing in yourself so that you can be the resilient teacher that you want to be this year? So I invite you to join me in the Resilient Teacher Group Coaching Program this year. We start on the 1st of February with our welcome call. Then there'll be two options, a weeknight call and a Saturday call because I know time zones are tricky in Australia and also teacher schedules are tricky. So you can go to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash resilient teacher for more information and to enroll now. So you've got the information. Now it's time to take action. And that action is what will create real transformation for you. Please let your friends and colleagues know about this free workshop series while it's still live and uh, direct them to the podcast episode. If uh, it's not live, direct them to the freebies library. If it's... Um, from late February onwards, they might be able to grab the replays there. And as always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second, and you are so worthy of your own care. May you continue to look after yourself wholeheartedly this year, be a beacon of inspiration for others and an example to encourage your colleagues to do the same. See you later. Bye.